and eternal life. Now, don't miss what John is saying. John said, we have no doubt in our mind, the Son of God has come. But then John identifies the Son of God. Who is the Son of God, according to John? Jesus Christ. And John says, this God-man, Jesus, his human name is the Christos. And John said, he is the true God, and he is eternal life. Here we have God made in the likeness of men. John is very clear about that. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. We had this verse last week in our study. Thank you, Lavinda. Now, Paul says, made himself of no reputation. Who's Paul talking about here? Jesus, okay. Jesus Christ, okay. And it's interesting. Uh, we read from 1 John 5, 20 a moment ago. Uh, Lavinda, you read from Philippians 2, verse 7. And these two verses together help explain what Paul had mentioned in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Look what it says. Who, being Christ, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now think about that. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now I want to back up to verse 7 again of Philippians 2. And I want you to notice two important statements at the end of that verse. First of all, he took upon the form of a servant. And second of all, he was made in the likeness of men. He took on himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And so the last part of verse 7 explains what Paul said in the first part of being a form of a servant. So when he said he was made in the likeness of men, Paul is talking about the human nature that Jesus Christ assumed when he came to earth. He assumed the human nature. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But then, Paul also talks about the form of a servant in verse 7. And those particular words uniquely describe the position that Jesus took while here on earth. So here we have God coming down. He assumed human nature. That's what Christ did. But his position was as a servant. What does a servant do? Say it again. Yeah. And he also serves others. Okay? He took on the likeness of men. He assumed human nature. But he also had a position of serving. That is Jesus Christ. So it's interesting. When Paul says he was equal with God, he's talking about there in verse 6, about the divine nature of Christ. And the form of God, now wait a minute, hold it for a minute. When did Jesus, when was, when did Christ become equal with God? 
from the very beginning, he always was, okay? But then Paul says, and that's referring to the divine nature, he speaks of the form of God. And he took on that form because before Christ came, no man has seen God. But now the form that Christ is in manifests the glory in his position as Lord of all. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. So he manifested the glory of the Father in the form of God. So again, our topic tonight is the humanity of Christ. And I want you to know the humanity of Christ was definitely unique. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, all those words fit. So who is like him? Nobody. He is unique in his humanity. You can search throughout history, and you'll find no analogy. It's nothing compared. And, and, and you cannot illustrate his humanity by anything in nature. His humanity is totally unique. His humanity is incomparable. Not only to our fallen nature, and hear me well, but also to Adam's unfallen nature. Let that sink in. I think it's important to know this tonight, folks. It's very important. The Lord Jesus Christ was born in the circumstances Totally different from those in which Adam found himself. When Adam was created, what was wrong with the world? Nothing. When Christ came into our world, what was wrong with it? Everything. So do you see my point? Jesus was born into circumstances totally different from which Adam first found himself in. But here's what's interesting. The sins and the griefs of all people were on Jesus from the very beginning. Wouldn't you agree that's why he came? Sure it was. Now think about his humanity. Some years ago, kids were little. And uh, I don't remember how I said it, but I know I said it more than once. But a lot of times, if we were talking about something that happened before they were born, and one of them would ask the question, you know, why didn't I see that? And I said, well, you're still in France when that happened. And uh, I suppose Jeremy heard me say that one time. And I don't remember where he was at, but somebody asked him where he was from. And he was just a little kid, and he... He said, well, I'm from France. <laughs> well, that wasn't exactly true. He misunderstood what I said, and that really wasn't what I meant. This means he, he meant he wasn't here yet. But there came a time he was born into our family and, and to humanity like everybody else did, right? There's a process. There is a process. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, his humanity didn't happen by the natural process. 
Would you agree? It was totally different. So, his conception didn't happen like man's conception does. So, (laughs) totally different from ours. But also, his humanity was not by special creation like Adam's was. Where did Adam come from? Where? Yeah, from dust. Okay. He was created. But Christ's humanity was not created. It was not conceived the same way that we are. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Okay, shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. A virgin shall conceive. Now, by the way, because there'll be some who will throw that, try to throw you a curve of the word virgin, they would say, well, a virgin could either mean a, a, a woman who's never been intimate with a man or a young maiden. And it, that's true. In fact, in Isaiah's time, Isaiah is speaking to a king who refused to ask God for a sign. And Isaiah says to the king, okay, I'm going to give you a sign. There'll be a young maiden going to conceive, and she'll give birth to a son. Well, this certainly had to uh, near and a future uh, fulfillment. Of course, Christ was the future fulfillment. So some would say, well, if Isaiah was talking about a virgin, a young maiden who lived in his day, we don't know whether she was uh, had been intimate with a man. We don't know that for sure. So how do we know that Mary wasn't? Well, how do we know Mary wasn't? Who's the only one that knew that other than God? Say it again. Mary. And what she say? How can this be, right? So there's no doubt. So when we think about his conception, it was not like ours. A virgin did, in fact, conceive. So he wasn't created like Adam was. He wouldn't conceive like we are. It is totally unique. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. This is very important. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is quoting from the book of Psalms, I believe, or maybe Isaiah. I, I did, I've been doing two different studies, or three this week. But at any rate, uh, he's applying this to Christ. And he says, a body hast thou prepared for me. God prepared a body. Galatians 4.4. 4. But when the fullness of time was come, notice this, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. So as we consider the birth of Christ, his humanity, there is no doubt he was supernaturally conceived of the Holy Spirit conceived of a virgin. The Bible is clear about that. But also, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, it was God who prepared a body. But Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, that body was yet made of a woman. So what is right? All of it is. 
all of it is. Christ came to offer his body. In fact, again, that's what Hebrews says. God didn't want the sacrifices anymore. So Christ came to offer his body, that body that God prepared for him on the cross. And he offered that body on the cross as a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was completely acceptable to God. So that being said, uh, how many more times does Jesus have to offer that body? None. It's finished. So when we speak about the uniqueness of Christ's humanity, it is evident in the fact that he never had, now hear me well, a separate existence of his own. Now let that say again. This, I had to kind of go back through this again and again to uh, make sure I at least begin to grasp a little bit about this. Now let me make sure we understand. When Christ came into our world, did he inhabit somebody else's body to become a man? No. He didn't. At the moment of his conception, the eternal son, Jesus Christ, he assumed human nature. But he did not assume a human person. And there is a difference that we do need to consider. And again, it's a very, I don't know how to put it, close difference here. Very hard sometimes to even to make a difference here. But when we think about human nature, human nature is that which makes us distinctly human. You got that? What does that mean? If we are distinctly human, what does that mean? What? Okay. What about my dog? Surely as smart as my dog is, as cute as my dog is, (laughs) he's a dog. We are distinctly human. Human nature makes us that way. Now, when theologians talk about a person, what they meaning is an intelligent being subsisting by himself. Subsisting by himself. So if we're looking at this from a a theological point of view, we look at Christ and he's considered to be the second person of the Trinity. He assumed human nature. But he didn't assume another body, somebody else's body. He assumed a human nature and he gave it subsistence By union with his divine personality. Amen. 
That's how that body came to be. It would not have been a human person if it had not been united to the Son of God. But because it is united to Him, it cannot really be called a person in the technical sense because it never subsisted in itself like other men do. Go to Luke chapter 1, verse 35. Let's read that one. Now, I've got to confess, uh, anybody ever read that verse before? You know you have. You've heard it read before. When we, we preach about it, we teach about it every year at Christmas time, at least, when we speak about the birth of Christ. And I, I, this never caught me like this this week. And I even underlined it in my notes tonight on that verse. And, and I'm going to read it again. So the angel answered and said unto her, unto Mary, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the, the, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also, now notice this, that holy thing. What's missing there? Didn't say person. That holy thing, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And all these years, and I confess, I have missed the impact of those words, that holy thing which shall be born of thee. What do those words imply? Say it again. Or anybody else. Totally, completely separate. Amen. Totally, completely separate. And here's why. It was, it is not, and it was not possible for a divine person to assume another person. Subsisting of itself. And bringing that other person into union with himself. Now, by the way, I realize in marriage, two become one. That's the only place it's called that. But we're still, what? Two people. So, for two persons who remain two, to become one in person is a contradiction. It simply cannot happen. And again, that's why the writer of Hebrews said, God said, Christ said, a body hast thou prepared for me. Who's the me? Christ. How long has Christ been around? Forever. So there came a time when God prepared a body. Jesus said for me. Not talking about himself. And so the me there in Hebrews 10.5 is speaking about the divine person. 
The body speaks about the nature that he took to himself. God prepared a body. And the body was made in union with the divine nature of Christ. So we have to realize something, folks. The humanity of Christ is just as real as the divinity. Now, by the way, you wonder, why you, why you teach on it? We know that. But what you don't know, that's been a topic of debate since the days of the apostles. There were those that circled in the church, false teachers, who claimed that Christ could not be human and divine. He had to be one or the other. Or if he was uh, human and divine, it was only his human body that was crucified. had nothing to do with his divinity. Folks, that's a lie of the devil. He is both human. He's both divine. He's human and divine. And we have to realize his humanity was real. It was real. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14. Okay, the writer of Hebrews is talking about you and I. He says, as children, we partake of flesh and blood. Is that true? If you're human, would you agree you have flesh and blood? Sure. Now, Jesus came to die for us. He came to experience life the way we experience. And if he's going to do that, God the divine had to become what? He had to become man. He had to become Partakers of flesh and blood. And the reason he did that because he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the very one who had power over death. So he became a man. His humanity is real. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. Thank you, Phyllis. Now remember, because you and I as God's children, we are human beings. We're made in flesh and blood. And so the Bible says that the Son, Jesus Christ, also became flesh and blood. Because it was only as a human being he could die. It was only by dying that he could have the power, break the power of the devil, who has the power of death. And so he had to be human. It's real. So my question is, well, could he just be 70% human? No. It had to be 100%. Absolutely. In every way. In every way. He had to be like us in every respect. And the Bible says so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. It was only then, only then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away our sins. And I'm really glad he did. Amen. His humanity is real. So when God became man, we've got the divine part down, I hope. 
But we're showing you how the human part is real. And when he became man, he assumed a complete human nature. Spirit, soul, and body. Well, wait a minute. Maybe he brought his human nature from heaven. No. Flesh and blood cannot what? Inherit the kingdom of God. It can't come from there. So it didn't come from heaven. But here's what's amazing. It was indeed composed of the very substance of his mother. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? God prepared a body, yet he was born of a woman. So when Christ clothed himself with flesh and blood, the good thing was he didn't have any human feelings. That's not true, is it? No. He also put on human feelings. And so, the God who became man did not differ from any of us except for one thing, and that was what? Say it again. No sin. He did not sin. So, yes, it is important that we stand firm on the conviction that Christ, in fact, is God. But my friend, never lose the conviction that he's also most certainly 100% man. Thank God for that. Also understand, Christ is not God humanized. Let that one sink in. He is not God humanized. And he is not man deified. But as to his Godhead, pure Godhead, he is equal and co-equal with the Father. As to his manhood, he is perfect with manhood. And again, made in every respect like us, except without sin. So just as he is perfectly God, he's also perfectly who? Man. His humanity is real. A lot of reasons, but number one is because he was born into this world. (laughs) Now, how many remember what was going on in Joseph and Mary's life when Christ was born. They had to make a trip. What was the worry? Huh? Well, not that, but she was also carrying a baby. So I suggest to you, Christ spent nine months in his mother's womb. Oh, thereabouts. He lay in a virgin's womb, and in due time, 
He was born. And I look at that and I realize, you know what? When Christ came into this world, he came into the same gate we come in through. God. Yes. Man. Humanity. Without a doubt. 100% God. 100% man. Now remember, was Adam born? Nope, he was created. Uh, Christ was not created. He was not transformed. But his humanity was, was begotten and born. And just as he was born, it's true in the circumstances of his birth, he must then be completely human. And he is. Kind of interesting, probably. I wasn't there. But, you know, I've met some young mother, mothers in, 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 in my lifetime, and most of them, a lot of their kids were reading encyclopedias by the time they were six months old. If you believe what their mother told you, right? But think about Christ, and, and I, you know I'm being sarcastic there. But as a baby, do you think that Christ was as weak and feeble as other babies were? Humanly speaking? Sure he was. Sure he was. Say it again. He had to be, because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be human. Did he have royal blood in his veins? I mean, human royal blood? No. He had human blood. <laughs> now, I guess it's true in our culture as well back then, but those who are born in marble halls uh, in his day, they would have been wrapped in purple garments. And, and they were thought by the common people that they were superior race. But when Christ was born, what they wrapping him, wrap him in? Those no clothes. Just wrapped him in clothes. A manger for a cradle. And I believe that God wanted it that way so that his true humanity would be evident. I think we took this verse last week, but Isaiah said when you saw him, he'd have no form of comeliness that you desire him. He looked just like any other Jew. And it's interesting as he grows up, and it is a process, uh, the only, if my memory is correct, uh, I think Luke gives us the story. Uh, the only time we read anything about his uh, younger years is when he was 12 years old. And his parents had been to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And they went off and forgot him. Uh, my parents forgot me one time. And that they, they, they didn't think I remembered it. But you don't forget something like that, you know. But anyway, uh, that's the only thing we read. And I'm not comparing myself at all to Christ. Don't take it that way, please. Um, but he was completely human. And so it wasn't like he was born one day and was fully grown the next. It was a process. 
so it is with humanity. So he grows in wisdom. Luke tells us that. He grows in stature. And the Bible says he also grew with faith with God and also with man. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Uh, thank you, Phyllis. Now, that, of course, we're in Genesis 3 there. And God is telling uh, Adam the curse is going to come because of their sin that they did. And they tell Adam, uh, you're going to eat your bread uh, by the sweat of your face. Which means what? Uh, you got to work for it. Don't you hate Adam? Man, oh man, if he'd just behave, you know. But yeah, you're going to work for it. Let's go to John 14, verse 6. I'm sorry, John 4, verse 6. I'm sorry. Okay, we'll come back to that in a moment. Matthew eight twenty four. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea. Insomuch the ship was covered with waves, but he was what? Asleep. Now it's interesting. Christ born a baby. He grows in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. And we find that he has a common stamp of manhood on his brow. God had promised you to earn your living by working for it. How did Jesus earn his living? A carpenter with his dad. He earned his living. And that's common to all of us. And he was no better. So he had to earn his living. The carpenter's shop certainly speaks of the toils of Christ, the work of Christ. And then he's, now he's on preaching itinerant. He's going to Samaria. He's walking. What happens to him? He becomes weary. He sits down to rest. And then, why do you think he's sleeping on that boat? He's tired. He needs a nap. His humanity. Job 5, verse 7. Yet a man is born into trouble as the sparks fly Upward. Now, Job is certainly very practical here. He says, we're born into trouble. And the sparks there are the trials of life. How many here have never had trials in life? It's part of humanity. Did Jesus have trials in life? Absolutely, he did. He hungered, he thirsted. He ate and drank like we do. And so, yes, he was fully man. We see him one day at a feast. Another day he is at a marriage supper. Another time he was hungry. And another time the Bible says he didn't have any place to lay his head. 
fully God and fully human. Oh, about his time, but here's what I want to leave with you tonight. To deny the origin of Christ through humanity, through his mother, will undermine the atonement. He had to be the God-man to die for our sins. And I know you would agree, I am so glad he did. Fully God, fully man. All right, we're going to stop there for tonight, and we want to go to the Lord in prayer. A uh, couple of things I want to mention. Uh, again, I don't know exactly what I do know. I don't know how they did it, uh, but Dan told me they had to stretch his throat. And I texted him back four letters, O, 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 O. And then I said, get well. So evidently the only reason he didn't come, he's not allowed to drive, but pray that went well, whatever was needed was there. Also, I do know that Brother Paul Snodgrass uh, did have uh, surgery on his sinuses on Monday. Uh, the surgery did go well. Uh, I'm assuming it'll take a few days to know exactly if they accomplished everything they wanted to. Uh, they were going to do about seven different things to him. It took him two hours to do that. So, uh, But anyway, continue to pray for him and just pray for uh, his recovery. By the way, keep praying for Naomi. She's not doing well at all. Uh, she is on oxygen, oxygen almost all the time uh, when they can get her to stay on it because she gets to the point where she thinks she doesn't need it and she tries without it and it doesn't work so good. So just pray for her and pray that God would touch her as well. Uh, Sister Irene, we mentioned already, uh, she is not doing well at all and we're praying. I know she's been having some sinus troubles as well and we're praying it doesn't turn into pneumonia. So pray for her and just pray for God's healing according uh, to his will. Uh, Sister Terry had to go back in the hospital uh, again, be praying for her. Uh, God knows the need during her life. Uh, continue to pray for Sister Kathy, uh, that God will continue to be with her. All those on the back of our bulletin, we, want, we do want to pray for them. Now, don't forget, this weekend, uh, well, I hate to say this, but Marvin, you're here. Uh, you're going to prison, at least for the weekend. Now, he did mention Sunday night on the way out. He hopes to let him out. Yeah, but no, all kidding aside, let's pray for the ministry there, okay? Pray for those men. It's still not too late to sign up for the prayer vigil there. Just write your name on Let them know we're praying for them. Anybody else we pray tonight? Yes. Well, praise the Lord for that. Let's do praise the Lord for that. Yes, indeed. Um, also, Sister Barb had a test on Monday. Doesn't have the results back yet on that. Uh, let's do pray for her. Uh, Brother Roger Daniel, uh, he's in Arkansas now. And uh, he, uh, he had some trouble uh, with a kidney about a year or so ago. And they had to remove part of it. He has since had bypass surgery. That went okay just a few months ago. And they thought he uh, had another tumor on his kidney. Uh, they were concerned about that, and because of the uh, relatively short time between the heart surgery, they didn't want to do anything else. But anyway, further tests have shown there is no tumor on the kidney. So he called me last night uh, excited about that. So praise God for that. Anybody else we pray tonight? Yes, Rick? Yes, let's do pray for her. Pray that things go well. Also, a week from tomorrow, uh, thir- week th- next Thursday, 
Uh, Jesse, we have in corporal tone of service, like, like Ruby. How you doing, Ruby, by the way? Good. Praise the Lord. So let's pray. Go okay for Jesse as well. Let's pray one for another too, okay? Anyone else before we pray? Uh, by the way, I did, uh, speak with Brother Jordan through, uh, text this week. Uh, they have released his mother. And right now, uh, uh, like all of us, his prayer is that his mother will follow the doctor's orders. <laughs> okay? The, I guess they've given some kind of a regiment to help her get better. Uh, but again, if she doesn't want to do that, they can't make her. But let's do pray. Uh, pray for her and pray that things will go well. We're glad she is released from the hospital. Somebody else we pray tonight. Well, thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you for loving God's Word and for loving Him. And aren't you glad He died for your sins? Let's all stand for it, please. Let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Don't forget to pray for all these on our prayer list. Charlie Glover, pray for us, please.